0: The RTE Rugby World Cup Podcast.
1: Sponsored by Bank of Ireland.
0: Yes, welcome along to the RTE Rugby World Cup Podcast. Ireland against South Africa, just two days away and the excitement has well and truly been ramped up. One of the most anticipated pool games we've seen at the World Cup for quite a few tournaments. And two great guests to pick through the meat of it as well. First, as usual, Bernard Jackman. Birch, good to see you again.
2: Yeah, thank you. Glad to have the two teams to look at now and chat about.
0: Yeah, it's getting really close, and also delighted to welcome onto the show, AB Zonda, attack and backs coach at Lyon, and also formerly Gregor Townsend's attack coach at Scotland up until earlier this year, and a man as well with plenty of coaching experience in his native South Africa and working in a few French clubs as well. AB, thanks a million for joining us. I'm looking forward to to hearing what you have to say about the the next couple of weeks and picking your brains of. A couple, of, uh, a couple of Irish opponents over the next two weeks.
1: Awesome. Thank you very much for having me. Appreciate it.
0: Um, We will start, guys, with the Ireland team news because that landed in about 45 minutes ago before we're recording here on Thursday afternoon. Andy Farrell has made just one change from last week's win against Tonga in Nantes. Jameson Gibson-Park comes back into the starting 15. Conor Murray goes to the bench. Also, Dan Sheehan makes his return on the bench. Ronan Kelleher getting the start at hooker and uh, Rob Herring missing out, so in full Ireland go with, Hugo Keenan at fullback, Mac Hansen and James Lowe on the wings, Gary Ringrose and Bundiaki in the centres with <laughs> Johnny Sexton and Gibson Park at uh, scrum half, Andrew Porter, Ronan Kelleher, Tig Furlong as the front row, Tig Byrne and James Ryan in the second row, and then a back row, of Peter O'Mahony, Josh van der Fleer and Caelan Dorris with the replacements then, Dan and Dave Kilcoyne, Finlay Beelam, Ian Henderson, Ryan Baird, Connor Murray, Jack Crowley, and Robbie Henshaw. Birch, a few a few bits to to jump in on there. The main talking points, Ronan Kelleher starts, Dan Sheehan is on the bench and and Herring misses out. Tyg Byrne at second row, a bit of speculation last night that Joe McCarthy would get the start, and you would go Tyg Byrne in the back row and Vander Fleer on the bench. And also then on the bench, five forwards and three backs, the, the standard Andy Farrell But what what's jumped out at you as the the main point of interest from that from that squad? This is- this is Andy
2: Farrell's tried and tested best choice 15 bar Sheen being on the bench. And we understand why obviously he's come back from injury. Um, and Bundy has got ahead of Robbie Henshaw. So I would have said if you had asked me to name a team start of August, uh, it would be a toss up between Robbie and Bundy and Dan Sheen would have been starting a hooker. So um, we haven't got spooked by six one seven one eight zero. one Farrell is sticking with his 5-3. Um it's how we operate. It gives us good coverage. Um obviously you've got Connor Murray to come on and obviously, you know, give us a little bit more game management. Um Crowley has has he's always going to be on the bench, I think, ahead of Ross burn Or not always, but he's more likely to be on the head bench ahead of Ross Burn because he covers fullback, he covers um center quite well, um, and his game is growing. And then to have Baird Henderson. Um, as your kind of second row and back row, you've got a lot of athleticism and size there. So, look, we're strong. We can't have any excuses. I mean, when you look at the injuries, the Springboks have, um, it's fallen quite well in our favor. Not saying that's going to be easy, but, um, we we can't have any excuse. This is our pretty much our, as strong as we could hope to pick in a World Cup. I think.
0: Yeah, in terms of injuries, Ireland have probably done better than any of the bigger teams I think over the last month or so. Um, yeah. the other bit, Ty Tog, starting at second row. As I mentioned, a lot of people... Uh, there was a bit of speculation online as well last night. A couple of reports that Joe McCarthy could be sneaking into that second-row spot with Byrne back row and Van der Fleer on the bench. Are you pleased personally with the way Farrell has picked it or would you like to have seen an extra second row in there and Byrne stepping back to the back row?
2: Yeah, I, I probably thought a couple of weeks ago that's maybe what we do, but Henderson just hasn't got enough game time really to to show. Ty Byrne has got a lot of game time. He's been excellent. I think it's a sign that we... Like we could have tried to match them with Henderson second row, Tyburn six, and move Peter Manny across the seven, um. But I think it's a statement that we want to play uh, fast, high ball, and play time, and we've gone with a with a pack who haven't like the place the similar pack played South Africa in in November. We didn't take mm-hmm. a backward step really. So this pack haven't got bullied by anybody, but they've given us a loss in terms of their mobility. So, um, yeah, I think it's the right call.
0: Ab, what do you make of that as a as an Irish twenty three when you look at it?
1: Yeah, it's um uh, it's quite daunting being a South African looking at that um at the team that they've put out, but uh yeah, I I think um it's a complete team. It's a it's a team that uh I think the the team that they put out really states the way they're going to play. Uh, I don't think there's any hiding uh from from what we 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 can expect from Ireland. Um, it's definitely going to be a, a speed versus brawn um Outing, so it's going to be very, very interesting uh, to watch. That's for sure.
0: The the bench and the whether Ireland would maybe get tempted into going with with six forwards on the bench was something people were wondering over the last couple of days. Like from your position as a coach, when you're when you're laying out these things and you have an idea of how the opposition are going to line up, are they going to have an extra forward? Is is a six two bench split something you would you would often use in Leon, or do you stick to kind of traditional three backs out
1: there yeah i think maybe the top 14 isn't the isn't the best example it's a very uh attritional um um league so a 60 split is very often what you could see especially in the in the winter time but uh i think what ireland has done is they've they've stuck to their guns they've got a specific dna of how they want to play um and they've put the right right players in the position to to hopefully execute on the weekend um I think the the big talking point or the or the the thing that I'm I'm most keen to see is the is the kicking game and what what route they're gonna go. Um, I believe they'll they'll try and obviously keep the ball in hand. Um, the big question is are do they feel there's a threat from South Africa in terms of the way the game is developed in the in the last year or two? Um do they feel they can they can put pressure on someone like Cheslin Colby because of his height, although he can nearly jump two meters in the air? Um, you know, are they are they gonna try and pick out individuals? Are they gonna kick long or are they gonna kick uh, contestable? So that's the real real big uh, question mark for me.
0: So on the kicking Birch, is it a case of trying to keep that ball in play to to keep the ball in playtime as 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 high as possible, do you think?
2: Yeah, I think we have to we we um wanna keep it on. I, I don't think you wanna give we going look at you can't avoid defending the South African mall. Um, but ideally that would be from you know, the little couple of penalties you give away where they kick down the line and, and they go after you there. You don't want to be kicking it out too much. Um, I think we have yeah. to go to the air. I don't think anybody has the the energy or the skill set to just go all out attack against the box. you got to pick your fights um, mm-hmm. and position, field position, not just in terms of being in their half, but where the rook is is going to be massive. So there's been a huge amount of... Like when people look at South African defence... The Jacques Ninabar defense, it's incredibly aggressive. It's it's um Loud. very, very high, but very narrow. Uh, it gets narrow as as you make a pass, it gets narrower and narrow. Um and if you do a freeze frame at certain points, you just see all this space, and it's so easy to get carried away by that. And, and in some ways, it can be fool's gold. What they do incredibly well, their scramble is is ridiculous. So when the, uh uh, say or Ches and Kobe shoots in three or four players corner flag um, and they, they, they have got athleticism and they scramble, they hunt you down and catch you near the edge and go after that breakdown and then it's a shit fight so um, that's the thing that they do differently, lots of teams blitz but it's how the South African players work for each other to cover up that so um, against South Africa in November there's a few passes that we try to go over the top but sometimes you don't sit down in time. You know, they, the, the ball's in the air for too long and the scramble gets you anyway. So I'd love to hear AB's, AB's thoughts yeah. on this. But I think the way Ireland are set up to attack is ideal to play against that blitz because we have a lot of bodies in and around the ball. We have a lot of short passes, the in, out, out the back, carry. Um, yeah. So the ball isn't in the air anywhere near as long as it was against. For Scotland to use that as, as probably the worst case example, uh, yeah. a few weeks ago. But for me, if we can have rooks on the 15-meter line, uh, that will hope force them to hold three on the blind side. And I think that gives us a chance of going through them or around them. It's but I think if you get to the edge, yeah. you probably have to go to the air. That's like honestly, you probably have to go to the air again off of a, off a yeah. rook that's in the 15. And and um, it's going to be really interesting how sexton ma- manages that desire to play 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 but also to create rooks in areas of the field where we can hopefully hurt them on the next phase
1: yeah i think previously in the um in the autumn as you said uh perch they the uh, island struggled to get into those 15s cleanly yeah and to really get a get a bend on south africa but i I do think they they might might come out early uh, with a couple of kicks just over the top to try and sit them down. The classic, the classic strategy uh, at the beginning. I wouldn't be surprised if they're doing uh, first phase, second play, phase kicking plays behind into into that little bit of kick space. Um, and I'd also expect Johnny Sexton to expose that wide space. If they do get into those 15 meters, they do get a little bit of a bend. I wouldn't be surprised if the ball goes straight back to 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 Sexton and he pushes it straight across into the other um into the other the touchline uh, to try and expose that space because as you say if you play it by hand it takes too long and then the catch up D will get you whereas a whereas a kick pass would would really expose that space and could could cause problems for South Africa
0: so
2: ab um blitz defense you're playing against it with leon or scotland do you try and go over it with a kick around it with passes or or play through it or all I three
1: think, yeah for me i think ireland have the ability to to cause south africa problems uh because you can get it wrong if you don't have the time to adjust because they're coming so hard and the passes as you say is so short there's not a lot of ball, ball in air time it can quickly go wrong for south africa um so i think it's the ideal teams the ideal type of attack to play against this type of defense yeah uh I, we've been talking for a while now but it's, for me it's the it's it's the best one, or one of the best attacks in the world versus the best defense in the world so it's going to be a really interesting interesting match to watch i don't think as i say, i don't think ireland's going to veer off from what they do they're going to back their skill set um i mean if you if you watch the last two games there there are tight from from one to eight uh the skill set of the forwards is just so tight the timing is so good they create the opportunity to play those one-on-ones and even if south africa is more physically dominant than than Ireland if if you are creating one-on-one opportunities they have the ability to keep the ball alive and to go through so I do think Ireland are going to get the opportunity to go through South Africa Um, the big thing for me is can South Africa force errors can they force those turnovers and get the ball back to go and score off um off Ireland's possession that's that's the big question if South Africa get it right early on in the game they're going to spook them um, and then it might be tough for Ireland to to get back in uh, into the game.
0: And Birch, a uh, one other bit then on the Irish attack: How does Bondiaki feature in what they're going to be doing? Because obviously he wasn't there when the sides met in November, and Stuart McCluskey was doing quite well until he got injured. Jimmy O'Brien then came on, and obviously Ireland had to change around just positionally what they were doing there. But um, like on the podcast we had on Tuesday, <clears throat> excuse me, McCarney spoke about how, for example, like. If Aki is able to get that gain line success, he's he's almost like another set piece for Ireland, where they can, you know, use him to to keep players honest and and suck players in. Like, how do you think he's going to feature in what Ireland will be doing at the weekend?
2: He'll feature a hell of a lot because I think Ireland won't play exclusively nine to ten, um, and then a pot off ten. I think they'll they play nine to twelve a lot, and he'll have a he'll have uh, options. In or around him, but also an option at the back to Sexton. I think, I think we got to try and get Sexton getting touches off second pass, third pass plays because he has that passing ability and that sense of what the defense are doing. Because it's very hard. I mean, um, it looks easy when you ha- when you have a um, you know a, a pause button and you say, "Oh, why didn't you hit that pass there?" But it's effectively um, it's muscle memory. And he has faced it so often or faced similar. Not Sorry, he hasn't faced as, as intense as this would be, but he he has faced similar a lot of times. And you want those playmakers getting the ball in areas of position that can hurt you. Because realistically, I don't think off a 15-meter rook or in the, in the edge, 9 to 10 to Sexton, he can't really hurt you. He can set somebody up to do some damage, but he can't hurt you. Whereas I think if you, if you play him out the back of Bundy, or those forward pods, it, it, the 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 killer pass, the killer kick is more likely to be in his locker than someone else's, and uh, that's that, that's why he's so good, and that's why he's so important to Ireland. I mean, there was a there was a clip for one of the tries against Romania off a lineout. He touched the ball in, not just touched it. He had a a big hand in eight out of ten phases. You know that's that's how often he he's involved, and, and it was Romania. and We went from our own forty to the try line, but effectively we kind of need him to be getting that quota of touches but I don't think it's always if he's getting too many as a first receiver I think it will be easier to shut down
0: and AB like you look at Sexton obviously you would have analysed what Ireland are doing when when you were at Scotland uh, mm. we often speak about it here about how different a team Ireland are when he is playing versus when he isn't um, what would you have seen when you would have been analysing Ireland in your in your Scotland days
1: uh, <laughs> I think the the first thing that strikes you is just his his uh, his game management, his leadership. Like it's as you say, it's a it's a different team when when he's uh, when he's on the field. Um, I think the 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 guys that are in the shadows are are, are getting closer, and it's um it's soon going to be time to to hand over the baton, but not yet. I think he's um he's integral. He's the pivot uh, for many of the of the island attack. I think if he Uh, touch wood obviously I don't want it to happen but if he had to go off early I think it would be a massive blow for Ireland's attack Um, I think he's one of the very few flags in the world that can handle the the pressure of a South African rush defence
0: and Birch like not to kind of constantly go back on it but mentioning his age again obviously he's 38 years old and I think if you if you had said to so many Irish fans this time four years ago after losing to New Zealand in a quarter final that Ireland were going to be going to the World Cup with Johnny Sexton as the starting out half no offence to him but I think a lot of people would have assumed that there was something probably wrong with the Irish setup that we were still relying on a player at that stage but he has somewhere between two and potentially four or five more games uh, before he retires and at 38 years old he looks as sharp as he has at any stage in the last four or five years
2: yeah, and it's incredible how the perception and and the pundits and, the, and some of the fans saw it. I mean, there was people calling for him to to stop, right? And now actually, there's people saying, like smart people, like Brian, just saying, "But well, why would you stop? Why would you, why wouldn't you just go until the end of the season and try and win? Yeah, another a, a Champions Cup with Leinster, for example, which obviously was was his goal for last year, but injury robbed him of the opportunity. So it, it, but that's testament to him. That's testament to his ability to like AB knows this better than I do, but. The game isn't getting any easier. The game, the game is getting harder. Um, he's been there, done that. His body's t- t- taken all the hits. He's had to do a preseason, you know, which was basically around rehab and then be blo- be, be, uh, suspended. But he's managed to get to this World Cup, um, and not shown any sign of of his age, which is uh, which is testament to his professionalism and, and dedication. But look at that, I, I think everyone has to say stop some stage um but he's given himself the best possible opportunity of of doing something special at World Cups where he's shared a lot of disappointments um like so many of us
0: yeah and it is just great in general to to see a sports person going out when they're still at the at the top of their game a b to to move things on to South Africa's attack and yes. world champions four years ago they're obviously big contenders again this time around in twenty twenty three. And as we've seen, particularly in the last eighteen months have have moved on their game quite a bit. um yeah. Bert, Bert has spoken to us a, a good bit about that over over the last few months. What changes have you seen uh in what Jack Nienaber is doing over the last uh, over the last twelve or eighteen months?
1: yeah, just I think it's just the variety the variety in the attack they've you know they've opened up so many more avenues, so many more areas of the game which uh which make them uh for me a, a total threat. They they are also like like islands not going to go away from their speed game. They're highly um, technical uh, game. South Africa's not going to go away from the power game. They are first and foremost there to try and physically dominate you. That is the the bare bones of it. But I think they've added a lot of little bits to that. They've added a, a very big uh, tactical kicking element to it. I think Marnie Limo brings in a really um, a really new fresh um, angle to our attack. Damien Willemsen, in the back um the I feel like the 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 kicking game is involved has evolved. It's not just a uh kick chase pressure game, it's now we can find space uh we can we can kick pass, we can touch the edges of the field very quickly um I, rem- I think it was the, the the game in the autumn against um against the Irish where they were running the ball back quite a bit on counterattack to to counter the high possession. So they would run the ball back keep the ball for 2 3 phases and then only kick um so yeah it's going to it's going to be interesting uh, the, the nice thing for me is south africa can pivot now usually it's south africa is going to play this is the way they're going to play today we're asking ourselves okay we know they're going to come physically but what else are they going to bring what else do they have up their sleeve because they now do have the ability to surprise you which uh, which for me is is awesome
0: and crucially burge obviously it's it's not a case that they've changed their game the thing that they were good at four years ago, they're still very, very good at. It's just that they've <laughs> added some some nice bells and whistles to it as well.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's it's been good. It's been really interesting for me as a as an Irish uh, ex coach to watch Felix Jones kind of role. because, like, if you think back, he got the job very late before the last World mm-hmm. Cup. Obviously, the the attack coach left um, for health reasons, and effectively, it was the start of this journey. I mean, Razi has said. 2019 was a bonus. 2023 was what it's all about. So I think there always was the intention to add attacking elements to it. Uh, but certainly, going into 2019, was based around set-piece, defence, kicking game. And I think we've seen um, an involvement uh, in, in in the attack in particular. But they'd know what they want. Like, you, it sounds cheesy listening to Chasing the Sun or whatever, but any of the inserts we get to the mentality it's fucked them up. You know what I mean? Like that that's what every that's what they say behind the scenes. And and that's great. That's like that's part of the South African rugby's DNA. It doesn't mean they're not skillful, it doesn't mean they can't be creative. But that's what that's who they are. That's who they are. The All Blacks has mainly been built around skill and having forwards who could play like backs, etc. England has been more 10-man rugby, you know, traditionally, etc. Uh France has always been moments of magic and moments of craziness. Um just as having more moments of magic at the moment. So I I I think they have evolved, and they will certainly hurt you if you if you if you don't defend properly. Um, but I don't think it's going to be the biggest test of the day. I think it's going to be how we can handle their, uh, I obviously set piece. Mo- I think we can stop them up front. I, I don't think we get blown away there. It won't be like it won't be like the England World Cup final where that was the scrum was just the Achilles heel. Um, but can we can we take away energy from their game by hurting them with the ball, and that doesn't have to be running it. Um, as, as AB has said it can be kicking us but I think we have to do that or it becomes suffocation um, the- and it's horrible um, so yeah, yeah but it's Ireland I've been building for this like it's four years worth of work to have the skill set to be able to maybe execute two
1: passes in a millisecond yeah. you know um, so that's that's the margins yeah I think the 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 big turning point is going to be what happens at the breakdown if you look at that seven-one split, you could, you know, Ireland could be facing a total of uh, five, six fetches on the field at one time. So there's no hiding that strategy. I think either South Africa is going into that game to absolutely disrupt their attack, to slow down their ball, to turn their ball over, um, and that's probably bigger than the kicking game, bigger than the physical game. That's where the game is going to be going to be won and lost first and foremost.
2: I think that's really interesting because. Um... We think of the bomb squad as, you know, seven forwards, a coach going on, and, you know, power game up front. I actually think the challenge for us is the last 20 minutes is being able to keep the ball at the breakdown uh, <laughs> because it's ridiculous the threat that they're bringing on. I mean, if you have Van Staden, Dion Fouri, wagga Smith on, on the field at the same time, when you're tired, um, when the game traditionally has become easier to win the ball, and the last quarter statistically is ireland's best by a long way so at the time when we are hoping to, to increase the tempo maybe or to find holes if every single breakdown is an absolute uh, car crash and slow yeah. well then then we're screwed so it's a breakdown squad
1: yeah if that if that ball is slow south africa's got a much bigger chance of getting to sexton getting up into that space and and cutting off the the options so that's yeah for me that's the that's the key we
0: I think we've done well to to make it as far into the pod with with this point being where we're actually bringing up the seven one split I think we've done well to talk about other things um yeah. out of curiosity before I get into it more about that who's who in the South African pack is the 80 minute forward in there is it Peter Ste to
1: toy Peter Ste any day He's he's got a massive massive engine. We um I mean I'm I'm thinking back to early days now, uh, early days at the Sharks. He just he does not stop. Uh, he just does not stop. He's got a massive massive engine. He's hard as hard as nails. Uh, more skillful than he than he seems. I think he very much plays within himself. Obviously, he's within a within a, a team that's ex, that expects certain uh, things of him, and he's probably been shaped in the in the last couple of years, but um, he does have the ability to shift the ball, but I mean his his uh, his strength is uh, is battering through people, hitting rocks, um, and being an absolute workhorse for eighty minutes. That's for sure.
0: And he's built like a second row as well, Birch. That's uh <laughs> it's an all important yeah. thing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, no, no. Look, I, um, there's been so much talk about it. I love it. I love the
2: fact that South Africa are trying something different. I know they have the profile of players to. Um, that can actually do it. Smith, obviously, being a, Quagga being an X 7s man, Faf can play yeah. 10, uh, Hendrik, uh, uh, Reinhardt can play wing, um, et cetera, et cetera. But it's a risk. It's a risk. But They're, it is a risk. they're, they're being brave. They're being brave and, and give us something to talk about, something different. Uh,
1: they named their team early. Um, I, I really like <laughs> it. I enjoy it. I enjoy it. Yeah. No, I agree with you. That's It's exactly the, the, the no-time Idea is brave. I think it's a brave, it's a brave, uh, it's a brave choice, um, and it can pay. That's the thing with with games like this. You need something special. You need something different, and they're willing to risk it. Um, I do think, however, a player like like Quaja, if you if you take a, what what South Africa want from an inside centre, Damien Dalende, they want him to be able to carry the ball well. They want him to be hard as nails on defense and maybe turn the ball over every now and then in the midfield. So if, I think uh, between Quagha and Damien there's not that much difference uh, except maybe the little the little, little rubber every now and then that, that Damien is able to do.
0: Yeah, I've, I have, a, like I really have, particularly this week, I think in the week after uh, the All Blacks New Zealand game or the All Blacks South Africa game, there was maybe a little bit too much negative coverage around us that we had to kind of wade through. But I think this week, so much of the conversation has just been about the benefits and the risks involved with doing it. Or yeah. as you say, as you said, like if if it works out, it works out brilliantly. But what's yeah. just fascinating, Birch, is that if there's a couple of early injuries in key areas, and if if for example, uh, Dion Fourier has to throw a line out in the sec- late in the game, and and he throws it crook at an Ireland win, or if there's a mistake, a missed tackle in midfield from a Quagga Smith or something like that, there's yeah. there's so much pressure on Jack Nienaber and Razi Erasmus that if it goes wrong, it's a colossal error. Yeah, it's yeah. colossal era, but
2: they 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 live. They live on. They like this isn't a World Cup quarterfinal or semi-final, even right. though we're hyping it up like it is. Like South Africa can fail and still win a World Cup. Yeah. yeah. I would be worried about our chances of yeah. doing the same, to be honest. I think I think if we lose to a team who've taken that risk, um, who've had injuries like Malcolm Marks, Ludie Yeager, et cetera, et cetera. Um, have a joker or sorry not joker have an ace card to play by bringing Andre Pollard in after this you know what I mean like South Africa uh, unless they don't ship up don't turn up and, and get beaten by 40 which is ridiculously can think about it, South Africa can still go on and win a World Cup from here you know um, whereas if we weren't to, to pitch or attack you know just didn't show any ability to get over the or over the game line et cetera. It's very mm-hmm. hard then to to make a plan B you know and not, you can obviously go on out and do it again but I think that's the that's the challenge for us. I think Ninabar and Razi by having Scotland first by winning that they're true they're true and they can afford now to play the mind games a little bit and and test things out um I think I also think just it's worth noting that even a country like South Africa who have an unbelievable squad, um, they don't have three world class hookers, right? Like yeah. the, the reason they, Dion four is a phenomenal player, Marco van Stadden is a very phenomenal player, but the reality is, if they really believe in the next hooker, mm. they would have been pushed to to make a call on that. Like they, that's how. Yeah. That, but that's that's the reality. The fellas who can help you win a World Cup, they're not on trees, even in South Africa.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, a couple of other bits. I like, like even as a side, I don't want to get into it, but. I've enjoyed the, the coverage of 7-1 and the, just because it's actually distracted from things that have gone under the radar. I think it's been great in general that we haven't heard a word of Ben O'Keefe being the referee, given the the previous with Razzy Erasmus. I just think that's it's actually nice that his name has barely been mentioned. And also then as well, the fact that Jack Nienaber is going to be rocking up in Dublin to coach Leinster in a couple of months' time. It's just, it adds another layer onto it as well. Um, since Birch mentioned worries about, you know, if Ireland were to lose this week and having to play Scotland then in two weeks. I might actually move the conversation on to, to Scotland then because obviously they're playing Tonga this uh this Sunday afternoon, looking to bounce back after after their break after being beaten by South Africa. And I think most people yeah. would probably expect them to to win as well. But A B obviously you have, as we mentioned, a good bit of experience in the Scotland camp after about 18 months as as attack coach with Gregor Townsend Really interested yeah. to to hear about what it was like working with him and and obviously some of the the brilliant attacking talent you would have got to work with, namely Finn Russell also as well. Yeah,
1: yeah, no. Um, I mean, my time at Scotland, I, I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, Gregor was a great mentor to me. Um, I learned a lot uh, during my time. I really enjoyed it. Um, the players that I got to work with, absolutely amazing. Uh, a couple of South Africans in there, which which also helped my my integration um but no i look a guy like finn uh he's got a he's got a reputation i suppose uh uh it's not something that i i didn't have a uh preconceived idea of oh how is he going to be what i knew obviously knew what kind of player he was because i've been watching him for a for a very long time but the one thing that struck me about him was his professionalism um he's highly professional he's he he prepares incredibly well um for each game that he plays so he's not just the the maverick that pitches up doesn't train on a Monday and, and does absolutely um, uh, everything, everything that's flash uh, without a lot of thought and a lot of training going into it. So that's probably the um, the biggest thing that I learned is to be that good, you have to be able to prepare well. It doesn't just, I would say a lot of it comes naturally, um, but a lot of it is also down to meticulous pre- preparation.
0: I know you're probably, you might be biased on it, but it, would you think that's, too many people are talking about this this pool
1: being south africa and ireland and potentially yeah. forgetting about scotland 100% i am um, uh, i went down actually to go to go and watch that first game and uh, you know it's, it was disappointing for me because i really i really believe that scotland would put up a big fight um i think just on the day it didn't operate you know set piece wise they they really struggled more more so than they i think should have against uh, against south africa um, and probably just too much ball that went through ten. I think maybe um, a little bit too dependent on wanting Finn to make something happen instead of maybe backing the the team as a whole to to get the job done against South Africa. Um, but that's in the past now. I know they would have moved on. Um, I know they'll prepare really well and really seriously for this next game. Um, I don't think it's going to be easy. Um, it's a it's a game that I when, when I arrived and I and I saw the draw, I was like. This is going to be one that we're going to have to be careful with. It can really be a banana peel. So I think Scotland will be ready for for this game against Tonga. And from an Irish point of
0: view, Birch, win or lose on on Saturday, there has to be an element of relief that Ireland have a weekend off before they have to go play Scotland as well.
2: Yeah, and that's probably because of the way Farrell has set his team up in terms of we've gone strong, strong, strong. Um, But I think the week off will come. I think... It'll come at a good time for us if, if regardless of whether we win or lose. But uh, like Scotland had the week off just after South Africa, you know, so they had that loss and then they got whatever two weeks to, um, to the next game. That's not ideal, I think. You know, but the fact that we've already got rid of Romania, Tonga got maximum points, etc. Um, if we have to go and beat Scotland, um, uh, well we'll have to beat. Them, but like we we we'll get ourselves ready for that regardless and. Based on past history, we we've had their number. Are they a dangerous team? Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I I, I still I mean, I'd be very comfortable if we can we can win that at the end if you have to.
0: And A B based on your experiences then, like what have you seen from them A since January, since you moved on? Have have they kind of have they stuck to the plans that you were trying to implement back when you were there, or is there a bit of a difference since you've since you've left?
1: No, I think look, it's a it's a team that has a has a very specific DNA. Um, it's a team that likes to move the ball around. Um, a lot of the game does revolve around their big players. Um, they're trying to put their best players in positions to touch the ball more, which makes sense. Um, but no, I haven't haven't really seen uh, that much of a difference. Um I do think the 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 depth of the squad especially in front is is probably the that has been uh, the big issue for for Scotland and will continue to be an issue. Um so it's first of all how long can or how long are they prepared to go how deep are those starters prepared to go and how fit they are. Um I know they've had a really good preparation so I, I do think it's possible for the for the big names to stay on the field longer but the difference c- comes in when that, when that bench changes can they bring the same intensity can they keep, keep the same quality um and in the end that comes down to to the coaching and to the to the upskilling of those players do you think the belief is there
0: that that they will be- truly believe that they can turn yes. over someone like garland because it has been a criticism labeled at them for a few years
1: yeah. yeah i i feel like the the irish team is a is a bit of the... um the the black sheep because it's uh, it's just the one that they just can't get across the line um, I, I wouldn't the way Ireland's playing at the moment and with the 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 last game against South Africa I think it's going to be really tough it's going to be really tough for Scotland but I wouldn't say I wouldn't put past them they definitely have a chance um, but the odds are stacked against them
0: and I think regardless from a Scottish point of view Birch what happens them over the next few weeks if you know, if they put in if they put in two big wins against Tonga and against uh, against Romania over the next couple of weeks, and if they come up short against Ireland and just miss out in the quarterfinal spot, there's still a lot there for them that they're not surely not going to be too disheartened by the whole experience.
2: No, look at to, to not qualify for a second World Cup in a row. Uh, it will be a big blow to them, I think. Particularly, it would be
0: in... it would be a very different kind of blow, though. No, than... it would be, be.
2: Look at yeah, the uh, last time, um, Japan got out on, on uh ahead of them, didn't they? So yeah, they know they've got a tough group. They decided to stick McGregor, um, which wasn't hundred percent sure what was going to happen. Obviously, you know, earlier in the year, but they now decided to stick with him. They probably have enough stability, um, but they'd have to they'd have to get some. Good performance in this World Cup, you know what I mean? They'll have to go and beat Tonga pretty well given how Ireland did it. They'll have to be competitive against Ireland. Um uh before you could say that they're they're like uh, they're up to fifth in the world or they were going into it. Um I'm not sure if they really are fifth in the world, to be fair. Uh I think that flatters them a little bit. Um, but if they can show that they genuinely were of that ranking by being very competitive against Ireland um and putting away Tonga. Um and Romania um, well then you know, then they can build on that but I don't know I, I think fifth flatters them a little bit to be fair
0: there's a a couple of couple of other things I want to mention but I'll round back to just a a final prediction for for this Saturday uh, Ireland South Africa what way is it going to go Birch? Ireland by six by six and AB
1: South Africa by three
0: all right. Well it's 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 go it's going to plan. We we had BJ both and we had Mick Kearney on the, the pod on Tuesday and it was it was one vote apiece between South Africa and Ireland as well. So we're two all two all here. A um, couple of other bits I want two to patriots. touch on.
1: Pardon? Two patriots, yeah. Two <laughs> patriots, yeah, yeah.
0: a um, couple of other bits I do want to talk about. France playing this evening against Namibia. By the time a lot of people listen to this podcast, that game will be done, and I think yeah. we probably just assume France will have won. But Obviously, be as we mentioned, you're you're coaching in Lyon. You've a couple of players in the in the squad at the moment, and previously you would have coached at Toulouse, where you would have worked alongside Antoine Dupont and Roman Intimac. and they're kind of for well not so much formative years, but around twenty twenty one when you won a won a Heineken Cup and won the double actually in the the top fourteen as well. Um, I'm sure absolutely fascinating to to have been able to work alongside a player like Dupont.
1: Yeah, it was. Um he's uh, the, the first impression that I got from him is just uh just a quiet guy, goes about his business, um, freakishly talented, uh, super strong, super fast, highly skilled. Um, but the 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 thing that I've that that I've really liked watching is the way he's developed, not only as a player, but as a leader. Um and, and he's smart, he's he's really rugby smart. He's smart in general, but in terms of rugby, he um it's one of those things where you coach and you get to a huddle and they've already started speaking and you look and you go ah, he's just he just said what i wanted to say you know you have those moments more so more so than not when uh, when anton is uh, is training with you so um yeah a really exceptional player i mean everybody knows that it. it's it's obvious to see uh, but for me he's really he's really come on uh, leaps and bounds in terms of leadership and and just putting himself out there in front and and talking
0: on the, on the ground in France in general, what's the the feeling among a lot of the public around what the team are doing at the moment? Is there, like, you come to Ireland and there's so many people who are obviously confident that Ireland can go all the way, but there's a huge amount, and Bert, I'm sure you've met as, uh, loads as well, that are just terrified that it's all going to blow up over the next couple of weeks. Is there a general level of confidence in France that this is the year for them? Yeah, I
1: think... I think the confidence. Oh, sorry, was, was that for me or was that for? Yeah, Bird? yeah, it was for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think the the confidence was at a hundred percent, um, just before the World Cup, and then one or two injuries, it slowly dipped down. And after that last game, I think people are, people are getting a little bit worried in, in France. Um, but I, I think after tonight's match, everything will be sort be be back to square one. Everyone will be be behind the team again, and uh, I think they're going to make a strong run for the final.
0: And we'll we'll talk about Australia in a second, Birch. But like Australia, it seems like are trying to do what France were doing a few years ago, where they're they're playing one World Cup in preparation for the next one. And when you look back at the way they've developed over those la- these last few years, obviously you know quite a lot about French rugby, but this has this tournament and this team at this tournament has been roadmapped from quite a way out.
2: Yeah, look at France is There'll be case studies done on us if they go and win us in Harvard Business School around all the different pieces of jigsaw that aligned together. Right, I I understand what you're saying about Australia, but I think it's different. I mean, um, Galtier was 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 shadowing at the last World Cup with a view to taking over. Um, there's a player pool in France. Um, which is far greater than what's in Australia at the moment. There's a financial power there. um. Whereas Australia, like Eddie Jones is seemingly staying with Australia, if, whether they win or lose against the Wales and, and don't qualify. And they're competing. I know football is massive in France, but realistically so is rugby. Whereas in Australia, you know, it's it's not the main game uh, or the second game or maybe even the third game. So, uh, But the worry for me is you have a world power like Australia who could be slipping away? And and um, yeah. it's great someone like Fiji can come and, and maybe take their place. But the reality is, our game needs 12, 13 strong teams and then other tier two teams pushing towards that. So that's the that's a little bit of a worry. I think it's going to be a fascinating game on, on Saturday. I don't think either team or Sunday, I don't think either team are brilliant. Yeah. Um, but whoever gets out of it will probably be job done. Like, I mean, if, if Wales get to a quarter final, given where they were a few months ago, you know, losing to Georgia and Italy, et cetera. Um, and Australia get there, given that they've only won one out of the last six. Um, I think then you say to the book, Eddie Jones and Warren Gatland, no, you've you've done you've done what you were brought in to do. Um, and for, obviously, the, the beauty for Eddie Jones is he does have a Lions tour to get ready for. He has a home World Cup to get ready for, which is going to bring some money in and some, um, some interest in the rugby union. Whereas for Wales, if Wales were to lose this game, OK, they still have the Six Nations, but given the way the regions are, they're not going to get an influx of money like you do if you have a Lions tour. They could be looking at three or four years in the, in the gold uh, doldrums. And, and obviously, the bigger bigger stepping away. And I think Nafalatau, we're going to how much longer. He's going to go on, et cetera. So that golden generation um, are nearly all finished as well. So, yeah, I'd be worried about both teams' future, to be honest.
0: Yeah, AB, it's something that we've obviously discussed a lot here in Ireland over the last 12 months, probably, but the the, the way the pools have been weighted and how strong, for example, the Irish South Africa Scotland pool is uh, yeah. in comparison to the pool with Australia, Wales, and and Fiji, Georgia, and and Portugal, as well as Pool D as well. But what it has done, we might be too pleased about it, what it has done is it has created a wide open pool where you have teams like Australia, Wales, and Fiji that are all at a at a decent level, but are very very flawed as well, and it, it cr- creates some exciting games as we've seen so far.
1: Hundred percent. I think more so focusing on the on the game for this weekend. I think it's two teams that are, you know, they they're, they're struggling with confidence, and I think that's going to have a massive effect mentally on on the game this weekend. I think the team that gets ahead first has a massive advantage, even if it is by luck. Um, just because you can see it's two teams that that really are struggling with confidence. They are trying. I mean, no team pitches up at the World Cup um, not aiming to win each game. Um, but at the moment, it's uh, as you say, it's it's definitely um, a level below what we're seeing in some of the other pools. And just quickly then, Birch as well.
0: Obviously, it's at the end. Of it, it's Warren Gatland versus Eddie Jones on top of it. <laughs>
1: yeah,
2: the two old timers um, still. Still gunslinging. Um has been quiet this week. I think he's just letting Eddie kind of take the take the the, the flack that he that he's getting. And uh it's um but yeah I, I admire both of them. I think you, you don't get to what and uh, do what they do in the game without having um a serious level of ability. But there was an interesting um Eddie like Eddie obviously is I think and look at who might Chris is Eddie Eddie Jones, but just I wonder has he got caught up in always trying to be too far ahead of where the game is going um and uh not focusing on the on the, on the basics and the fact that he brought three sports psychologists with him to France I mean that's that's mind blowing you know what I mean because he, he does a lot of it himself as well so um yeah. and then the comparison with Fiji's uh Simon Raului the Fijian coach you know he was asked about the resources and 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 he was asked about the three sports psychologists and he said, "Oh, we don't have the luxury of that, but we have a reverend, um, and he's like a sports psychologist for us because for us it's about faith in our family, you know, and it's and it is the Fijians and you know, but we've both been lucky enough maybe uh to coach them, and that is the, a, a massive driver for them, but it's just this, you know, um, uh, the Eddie Jones circus, uh, and maybe he's he, he's he, like." He is still the brightest brain in, in rugby and he's going to bring Australia to where Dave Rennie couldn't bring them. But at the moment, you would have
1: to start to have some doubts. I, I just feel the, yeah, I, I could imagine as a player with so much attention on a coach that it can place negative pressure onto the team and onto individuals in that team. So me personally, I I don't think it's great for the team um i I, same as as birch uh, uh, in terms of a coach uh, what can we say he's he's one of the best that's that's ever been um but in terms of the the psychological side of it and the pressure that you put on your team when you're always you know um, making headlines i think maybe it's not always the best thing
2: yeah and a perfect example ab is they were at the airport leaving to the world go to the world cup a young squad the highlight of most of their careers and they would have landed in france and seen though you know the crazy press conference and the aggro you know it, it's just even when it's not necessarily to, to pick fights at the moment um he seems to, to want to pick them but anyway
0: that's almost a uh, almost everything but do you have one more yeah just ab
2: i know you you're very focused on uh leon um but you and your coaching group, is there anything in the World Cup so far, trends, style of play, that you're kind of going, mm, that's that's where the game is going, or because it's top 14 and it's a law unto itself, or you're just trying to get your, your own stuff right? But is there anything that's kind of stood out to you as in, oh, I think that in a year's time you know, could be very much part of everybody's arsenal? Um,
1: yeah, I was actually speaking, uh, speaking earlier to, to Alan Kingsley yeah. Um, and something we've we spotted uh, in the last couple of months and th- something that we think is going to develop into something bigger is that middle kick space in the in the middle of the field or higher up the field. Um, it's still something that isn't uh, exposed enough in our opinion, but more and more teams are starting to do it. I think there's always cycles of these different things. You yeah. go through a cross kick cycle and then you go through a drop kick cycle. And I think the next cycle is going to be that mid that midfield space, um, but maybe uh, exposed in a different way. Maybe it's not short short kicks from 10 or nine over the top of the ruck. Maybe it's going to be um, more aerial assaults that really hang in the air and, and give you an opportunity to contest and make it really awkward for those players in the backfield to, one, decide who's going for it, um, and two, to actually just get there. If you sometimes, or nearly every game that I watch, I see a poor executed box kick. That turns out so well. Um, and I think that's that's kind of the 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 tangent that we that we were talking about. Like, you know, if you if you kick that box, but you actually don't kick it that well and it doesn't hang that long and it doesn't go that far, it's actually in a brilliant position. Um, so probably the variety of that midfield and how you can expose it is the is the next thing for me.
2: Bernie? Well, I've got a session with the Presbray under 13s in about 10 minutes, so we're going to be looking <laughs> for that space for the, for the rest of the year. We're going to be heading to the curve. Eddie Jones,
0: <laughs> Brilliant. Out, of, out, of, out of curiosity, you said there aren't enough teams doing it. Are there any teams at the moment who you think are doing it a little bit if, if people want to look out for it over the, the next few weeks on their TV?
1: I reckon the island this weekend will <laughs> have one or, one or two up their sleeve. And that's answer. just a prediction
0: good answer brilliant stuff guys uh quickly before we go uh, a lot of rugby coming your way on rt over the next few days tv coverage of france v namibia tonight thursday then friday 4 45 p.m you have argentina v samoa as well as ireland and south africa eight o'clock on saturday and then scotland v tonga on sunday at 4 45 fellas thanks a million for joining us there's been a really really enjoyable chat and we'll be back on the pod next tuesday recapping the weekend's rugby we'll speak to you then soon The RTE Rugby World Cup Podcast, sponsored by Bank of Ireland.